Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Stephen Furtick. Stephen is the founder and lead pastor of Elevation Church based in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's also a songwriter for Elevation Worship, as well as a New York Times bestselling author. With his inspiring teaching, you'll be able to grow your faith no matter where you are. And now, Stephen Furtick will discuss the question, do I have what it takes? and give a perspective of God from a generational picture of His character. Let's dive into the message. The question that you wrestle with your whole life and may not even realize that you're wrestling with it is this, do I have what it takes? And everybody you're interacting with on a daily basis and everybody that you will encounter in the future and everybody that you've dealt with in your past, they were all silently answering the question, do I have what it takes? And you kind of think you're gonna get to a point in your life where you discover the answer to that, and the moment that you get to that point, the whole game changes. So it doesn't matter whether you're 60 years old trying to figure out, do I have what it takes to grow old gracefully, or if you're 16 trying to figure out, do I have what it takes to grow up successfully? You're always answering the question, do I have what it takes. It's the question that never goes away. And in our last teaching on being unqualified, we looked at a man who had to answer that question knowing he was a murderer. A man who had to answer that question not really knowing who the God was who was calling him to do great things. And when we left Moses, he was at a burning bush, and God revealed his name to Moses. He said, I am. And he gave Moses not only the gift of that revelation, but he gave Moses the gift of identity. What I am, you are also. You know, it's interesting though, in that passage which we commonly call Moses in the burning bush, there's a little addendum that many people don't mention. You know, God gives Moses his name, I am, in Exodus chapter three, verse 14. But the Bible says in verse 15, God also said to Moses, that when you go to the Israelites and you tell them who I am, make sure you say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name, God says, forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. He's giving him a generational picture of his character, and I understand it to a point. I'm the God of Abraham. That's the guy that God chose out of Ur of the Chaldeans, the one that was brought out of seeming obscurity and called to sacrifice his own son. He was willing to do it. God didn't make him do it, but once God tested him and found out that he would do it, God knew he could trust him. And the entire nation of Israel was born out of Abraham. So I understand God pointing to Abraham. I understand Isaac, the son who had to be laid on the altar. That was Abraham's son, the God of Abraham the God of Isaac, but it's that part where he says, I'm the God of Jacob. That really messes with me. 
my boys were recently asking me to share a story with them from the Bible. Now, don't let that make you think that they're very spiritual. It was just bedtime and they were stalling. They just wanted to stay up. And they knew that if they appealed to my spiritual desire to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that they could get a few extra minutes before their bedtime. So they asked me to tell them a Bible story. Well, I had just been reading about Jacob and Esau. So I told them the whole story. And it's actually a, a, a pretty epic story because it spans several chapters in the book of Genesis. And I told them how Jacob and Esau were wrestling in their mother's womb, how they were fighting before they were born. And of course, with them being boys that are you know about two years apart, they, they related to that part. And after I got done telling them how uh, Esau and Jacob turned their mother's womb into an octagon like a UFC championship, <laughs> I started explaining how Jacob, in an effort to be born first, was, was grabbing at his brother Esau's heel. And, and see, th this was a big deal because the, the firstborn in this culture would have gotten a double portion of the inheritance. And so Jacob instinctively wants to come out first, and he's going to be second in the birth order. And so when he comes out, he's grabbing at his big brother's heel, but it doesn't work. He's secondborn, and all of his life it bothered him. And I told the boys how Jacob uh, tried to tried to swindle Esau's uh, birthright and how he cooked him a bowl of beans. And, 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 and Esau was so hungry because when your emotions are uh, in, in all kinds of states of hunger, you end up making dumb decisions. And I was preaching to him a little bit how Esau ended up selling his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of beans. And then I shared with him the, the famous story about how Jacob stole Esau's blessing and how he dressed up like his brother Esau. I'm going to read the story to you in just a moment, but I explained how commonly in Scripture the right hand is the hand that represents authority and blessing, and how Isaac, before he was getting ready to make preparations to die, called for his firstborn son Esau that he could give him the blessing, the double portion of the inheritance, and how, how Jacob saw it as an opportunity, and he dressed up in Esau's clothes. And he put on some clothes so he would feel like Esau, and he went into his father Isaac, and his father Isaac couldn't see, so his father Isaac reached out, and when he felt the, the garment, the, the hairy garment, he thought it was Esau because his son Esau was hairy. He was a rugged man. He was a man's man. He was Duck Dynasty. And so when he, when he felt that, that it was Esau, he gave him the blessing, and he laid his right hand on Esau's head, and he blessed him and gave him the blessing. And Esau had been out hunting and didn't even know the whole thing was going on. So by the time that Jacob had moved out with the blessing, it was too late for Esau. And Esau got blessed, but he didn't get that right hand of blessing. And I, I told the story to my boys. And you know, you can never tell if your kids are paying attention, but every once in a while it'll shock you how much attention they're actually paying. It was a few nights later that I was praying for the boys before I put them to bed. And I'm usually not this spiritual, but for some reason on this night, I, I put my hands on their heads. So I had my, my right hand on Elijah's head. He's the older one. And my left hand on Graham's head. He was five at the time. And, and I was just praying for him. Simple prayer, nothing really fancy, no big benediction or uh, major patriarchal blessing, just praying for the boys before bed, a few sentences. When all of a sudden, when I get into my prayer, I feel Graham's little hand, the five-year-old, the younger one, and he reaches over to my right wrist and he pulls it off of his brother's forehead and puts it on his. <laughs> and what he said next, I'll never forget. He, 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 looked, he looked over at his brother and goes, 
Just call me Jacob, sucker. <laughs> I never forget the look in his eyes. It was actually kind of terrifying. Just call me Jacob, sucker. You know, it's interesting how we're born with this me first mentality. The Bible says that Jacob was posturing and preening for position even before he was born. It means that it wasn't something that he learned to do, it's just something that he did. And we can go through life with that whole mentality. Discover why unqualified is God's favorite qualification. Call or click to receive Stephen's new book, Unqualified, as our thank you for your gift of any amount. Call 800-225-3039 or visit tbn.org slash unqualified. The reason it's interesting to me that God brought up Jacob as the one that he wanted to be identified with is because Jacob spent his whole life deceiving. If he needed to lie, he would lie. If he needed to cheat, he would cheat. If he needed to manipulate, he would manipulate. And, and yet, God blessed him. The, the 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob. So you talk about somebody who is unqualified, Jacob fits the bill. Yet he was blessed. I want to go back to that passage that I mentioned. It's in Genesis chapter 27 where Jacob is coming before his father Isaac and he's trying to get a blessing dressed in Esau's clothes. And the Bible says that when he got close in Genesis chapter 27 verse 22 that his father touched him and said the voice is the voice of Jacob but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau so he proceeded to bless him. And he asked him a question, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob replied, I am. We talked in our last session about those two words, I am. How that is the name of God. When he wants to identify himself, he says, I am. Now we see Jacob taking on a false identity in order to get a blessing that he wants in his life. And I wonder, are there any costumes that you've ever worn or something that you've pretended to be in order to get what you thought you wanted? I see it happening all the time, especially in an age where it's so easy for us to filter an online profile to let people see the parts of us that we want them to see, especially in a time where it's easy to create an avatar and really live behind a mask of how you would want people to perceive you. When I see Jacob coming in to get the blessing from his father Isaac and, and dressed in a costume, I, I see all of those times when I've entered into a situation and tried to present myself as something other than what I really am in order to get the approval of other people. Sometimes it can be online, what you put out to get likes. Sometimes it can be in the way you spend your money, trying to convince people that you've got it together more than you do. It can be what you wear. It can be where you live. There's nothing wrong with any of these things on the surface unless at a deeper level, you don't even know who you are. If God were to change me all at once, if God were to give me a new identity and then all of my actions, behaviors, and beliefs would perfectly align with that new identity, I'd be fine. The fact of the matter is there's always a wrestling match. 
that battle between who God says you now are and who you still feel like. When Jacob finished stealing the blessing from his father, he spent just over 20 years on the run. He gets the blessing, and Esau comes back in the house, and Esau decides to kill Jacob, and Jacob is fast, so he starts moving, and he moves to his uncle Laban's house, and he spends the next 20 years dislocated from his family and from the epicenter of his faith. In this time, he has children. He marries wives, and in some senses, I guess you could say that his plan worked, but I would ask you the question, did it really? In other words, if after getting his blessing by pretending to be something that he wasn't, Jacob had to spend the next two decades on the run, was it really a blessing? Is it really a blessing to get people to like you if it's not even really you that they like? Is it really a blessing to be impressive to others if in order to impress them, you were out of a place of insecurity masquerading the true you? in order to be accepted by someone whose opinion doesn't ultimately define you anyway? See, I'm coming to the conclusion in my life that I might get people to accept me on the basis of what I show them. I might get Isaac to bless me on the basis of what I dress in. I might get a date that way. I may get a job that way. But the real blessing of God only comes when you discover who you are. I guess what I'm trying to say is when it's all said and done and it's all stripped away and it comes down to it away from the accomplishments and the achievements and the approval of others, God can't bless who you pretend to be. I'd love to say that again because I think there's great liberty in it as well as great challenge. God can't bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless who you really are. The question of this message, do I have what it takes, begins with the answer to the question, who are you really? And do you really believe that's enough? Do you know it took Jacob 97 years to meet himself? We know this because the Bible says after 20 years in hiding from Esau, he was on his way to his homeland, hopefully to reconcile with his brother who he stolen so much from. And the Bible says in Genesis 32, verse 24, that when Jacob was left alone, see, I love that phrase because he had accumulated animals, flocks, and herds. He had accumulated family. He had accumulated financial success. He had a lot to boast of, but it was when he was left alone that he discovered who he was. And this is a pivotal passage in the scriptures and definitely in Jacob's life because it says when he was left alone, a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Do you see a theme in Jacob's life? He starts off his life wrestling with Esau, trying to be first. He, he's 97 years old now, and he's still wrestling. Only this time, he's wrestling in the darkness, and he doesn't even know who he's wrestling with. And he wrestles till daybreak. And the Bible says in verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I love this man's tenacity. I mean, you gotta give it up to him. He might have been a trickster, but at least he was tenacious. And God can work with who you are. God can work with what you have. And God can start with the place where 
you admit your honest need. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And verse 27 to me is so pivotal because here Jacob is wrestling with a man whose identity he's not even sure of yet. Scholars tell us that this is, of course, a wrestling match between Jacob and God. But in verse 27, the man asked Jacob, what is your name? It's funny to me, first of all, that they've been wrestling all night and they're just now making introductions as the sun is coming up. In this corner. But when he asked him that, doesn't your mind go back to when Isaac, some 21 years earlier, asked Jacob the same question? What's your name? And remember how Jacob responded that time? He said, I'm Esau, because he thought that's who he had to be to get blessed. He said, I'm Esau, because Esau was the firstborn. He said, I'm Esau, because in his mind, that was the only way that he could get the inheritance. But now Jacob's lived through some things. Jacob has accomplished some things. Jacob has seen a lot. He's been exposed, and he's at this place where he's all alone, and he's in the dark. And, and so he finally, after 97 years, it's taken him almost a century of being in the world, but finally Jacob says the only thing that he ever needed to say, and he becomes the only person that he ever needed to be to get the blessing that God always wanted him to have. He said, I'm Jacob. And when he said, I'm Jacob, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Paul was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. Peter denied Jesus. And Jonah was fish food. By any standard, these guys were unqualified. And yet, God entrusted them with some of the most important tasks in human history. Just like these Bible greats, we struggle in the space between our weaknesses and our dreams, between who we think we are and who God says we're meant to be. Feeling unqualified? Welcome to the club. In his encouraging book, Unqualified, Stephen Furtick reveals the inspiring truth that being unqualified is God's favorite qualification. This book is about understanding your identity in light of who God is. It's about coming to terms with the good, the bad, and the unmentionable in your life and learning to let God use you right where you are. In appreciation of your gift of any amount in support of TBN, we want to rush you your own copy of Stephen's empowering book, Unqualified. I believe that as you read it, you'll discover that God has a way of using our weaknesses. In fact, you'll be encouraged as you find out that God really loves and uses unqualified people like you and me. So find out why being unqualified is one of God's favorite qualifications. Here's how to share and request your copy. Take a moment right now to call 800-225-3039 or share your gift securely online when you visit tbn.org slash unqualified today. Once he admitted who he was, I am Jacob, God could show him who he had the potential to become, Israel triumphant. And in a moment, he was changed, not pretending to be Esau, if we would ever drop our guard, strip ourselves of our costume, come before God and others honestly, and quit trying to convince them of a calling that we have nobody to prove anything to except God, if we, if we would ever admit who we really are, God could show us who he's designed us to become. From this point forward in the scripture, 
now that Jacob has a new name, now that I've taken on the gift of a new name, he said, you're no longer Jacob, but Israel. It's confusing because if you study the scriptures for the rest of Jacob's life, he's called both. In fact, even after Jacob is dead and gone, they still refer to him sometimes as Jacob. And some, Read your Bible, you'll see it. Sometimes they call him Jacob, heel grabber. Sometimes they call him Israel, which brings us to the burning bush. When God is ready to reveal himself to Moses, the murderer, the one who struggled with his own sense of security, the one who had a great calling but was also very conflicted. And Moses wants to know, who are you? What kind of God am I speaking to here? Now, if you're God, and I know that's a stretch, and I'm glad you're not, <laughs> and you want to identify yourself, and you want to give the people an idea of what your name is for all generations, I'm just making a suggestion here, God. Maybe when you identify yourself, you want to call yourself the God of Abraham, because he had great faith, and the God of Isaac, because he had great faith, and the God of Israel, because that's the, the, the from a PR perspective, that's the wise alignment. I want to be identified with Jacob after his name was changed. Something interesting about God, though. He is not ashamed to be identified with all the parts of you that you think you need to hide. And so when he gets ready to announce his name, he tells Moses, I am the God of Abraham. Got it. Isaac. Yeah. And Jacob. I am the God of the heel grabber. I'm the God of the deceiver. I'm the God of the scoundrel and the scandalous. I am the God of the screwed up, jacked up, messed up, inside out. I am the God of Jacob. And I'm glad he told me he's the God of Jacob because that lets me know that he's the God of that part of me too. Let's me know that I don't have to dress up and pretend to be you to get the blessing that God has for me. The moment he said, I am Jacob, God said, now that you've owned who you are, let me tell you who you can become. Wow. You are Israel. Just call me Jacob, sucker. <laughs> and you realize in those moments that what you've been grasping for your whole life, God was trying to give you all along as a gift. Jacob, who was trying to claw his way into a blessing, already had the blessing. So today, what costume is it that you're wearing that you need to shed? What ways are you trying to appear more fine and impressive than you really are? What's the layer that God's trying to peel back off of you to show you, I love you in that state. I love you even in those patterns. See, most of us are taught, the theologian Richard Rohr says, that in order to experience God's love, we must change to become something he can love. The gospel teaches us that it is the experience of God's love that changes us. It is not our change that enables the love of God. 
it is the love of God that enables our change. So God says to every backslidden person and every broken person and every hurting person and every complicated, convoluted person, I'm the God of you too. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of your dark side and your weak moments. I am the God who sees you in the places where you are cracked and that is where my light shines through. I am grateful for the God of Jacob. And so Moses, if you're fearing you don't have what it takes and that you're not enough, you need look no farther than Jacob, the one who could never grab enough heels to get ahead, but the one who I blessed in the end. This whole thing started not because you had what it took, but because God had what you needed and everything that he has is in you if you are in him. And God, we are grateful today for your presence in our lives. And we thank you that you added at that bush so we would know for all time that for all generations, you wanted to be known not only as the God of Abraham, our great faith, or Isaac, our great sacrifice, but that you are the God of our struggles, the God of Jacob. And we pray that this word would be spoken over our lives today and reverberate in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Stephen Furtick. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.